Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Happy New Year! Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you as we share a message of promise from the book of Joshua in God's Word. Have you ever stepped out in faith, risking a job or relationship to do something unknown? If so, you can recall the emotions you had. In Joshua today, we learn of God's plan to take care of everything. Yet, do we accept his authority, trust him, As we live each day, it's our acceptance of God's Word where we find purpose and meaning as He fulfills His promise in us. Isn't it true that we're such emotional creatures? Whether you wear your emotions on your sleeve or you're a man and you hide your emotions, God knows the buttons that he's got to press to get to the softness part of your heart. We're very emotional. Think of the difference that it takes for a person leaving the same office of the same company. And on the way home, one is broken and crying, and the other one could be driving a hundred miles an hour filled with joy. The difference is the message. You're hired, you're fired. And we react to that. And we've got a tendency to treat God within that level of a roller coaster turmoil. We treat God within those emotions, either praising Him, filled with joy, or questioning Him Where are you now? As I'm being torn and broken. We walk alongside Joshua. And we hear this command three different times, be courageous, do not fear, do not be dismayed. You've been walking with this giant until now, this Moses, that parted the waters and let waters flow from the rock, but he's dead. And how do you walk within these emotions in your own life through struggle, victory, joy, and brokenness. And the Lord uses these emotions for one purpose, that He may abide within our heart without pretensions, without masks. We're called and challenged within the, no, the, the news, which was not news. They knew it. God speaks the truth that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now what? Arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. We talk about walking with the Lord. We talk about victorious living. We see people and hear their answers to prayer. And they say, yes, Lord, answer my prayers. We see in this text, this chapter, actually it seems to be a a guide, a GPS map for our life that we're called to walk victoriously. In the second part of the text, we're told how we can stand victoriously. We got to walk at times, we got to stand at others. How do you mix these two? 
If you look in the mirror and you question yourself and you wonder, am I one of those believers that truly believe with passion that Jesus, my Savior, has a purpose? And we're not going to say a purpose for your better life. But what is your purpose in bringing Him glory and finding meaning in your life? A purpose in belonging and living with Him. Back in 2003, some of you know that the Lord opened an incredible door in in our life and ministry as I began a ministry among skydivers, walking with them, jumping with them, and teaching them. And people stop at, and they're amazed that, oh my goodness, you jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. That does not compare in the least with what it means to walk daily in deciding daily to trust the Lord in the check you do not see, in the security of the job that you've been embracing for the past 10 years, trusting the Lord. It happened in that, at the beginning of the ministry, that the man that came to know the Lord, the owner of the drop zone, known throughout the country, that at a point he said, listen, I believe the Lord called you here to start this ministry among these people. Do not worry about finances. And at that point, we decided to resign from the ministry I was doing or in and started this new ministry among skydivers. And for 10 months, we saw amazing miracles of lives being changed and transformed. Well... And we had great visions and, tri- and plans. I actually envisioned that we would wind up taking a plane to Romania and we'd be able to start a jumping show and preaching and all that was going on through my mind. Ten months later, the Lord took him home. He got to see the Lord. He gave his life. And for ten months, he lived for the Lord with everything he had from his heart to his life and finances. And things were looking amazingly beautiful. But then at the end of 10 months, the Lord took him home. He never got to see Canaan, in other words, of what God meant to do within that ministry for the next 15 years. As he had passed away, we had to make a decision, my wife and I. What's going to happen to our livelihood? What's going to happen to that support that we were seeing on a regular basis? And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, were you doing this ministry with and because of Roger or were you doing this ministry with me? That question was so deep and so raw that I went back on my knees. I said, Lord, whether there's no finances, no matter how you do it, Lord, we will continue this ministry and we will not ask for a dime from anybody. You will provide. Looked at my wife and she said, yes. So we decided. And so it was that we had the funeral. Thousands of people came to the funeral. The ministry multiplied with invitations to visit and minister and jump and all that work. After the funeral, I was called back to the office of the drop zone, the airport where we were at. I had no idea why. And no idea how we're going to live from that moment on. And the office manager said, it was left in writing that what Roger started in supporting this ministry will continue. I was flabbergasted with God's hand in this work. Making a decision not knowing, but trusting that God will provide. 
What a small example with what God has already done and promised in Joshua's life as he is inviting you and I to learn to walk victoriously in a time, in a place. We got to make decisions in the unknown. Every single one of us. We can watch great leaders make decisions. We can make decisions as a group. But once you go home, that decision becomes so personal. In the way you live, in the place you work, and how you will live, it's only you and the Lord. No one else. So many times have you been promised things and they failed? Contracts failed, people failed, jobs failed. In the end, you've got nothing but the Lord. And here we have this invitation that we see in Joshua's life to walk victoriously. And he is being presented in the command that he's got to walk victoriously as he must step into these blessings. So within this first half of the chapter, he's got to step into the blessings. And later we'll see how he says, listen, you got to step into blessings day by day because I'm the one that is supporting you. I'm the one that's sustaining you. You got to step trusting me. And it's a collaboration of the command and the obedience placed together. Miracles. The miracle of walking in faith. And the way we step into these blessings that have been prepared for us beforehand, as we've gone through this text, uh, we remind that we've got to be focused on God's mission. Not your mission, not your desire. What, does, what is God doing and what is He inviting you to be a part of becomes your life and now it begins to feel, fulfill your life. And now you've got a reason for living. The passion to live, be focused on God's mission. And we saw that we got to be fast in acting and obeying God's commands. Get up now. Arise. I've got work for you. And now, we're being told that we must be faithful. Every place that you'll be walking on as you cross the Jordan, I've given to you. Because He's eternal, He has presence in eternity, past, present, and future. So where we're going tomorrow, God has already been. I have given to you, and you know what? I've given it to you because I'm holding my promise. I've promised this to Moses. I've held myself accountable. I'm going to be with you. See, God's promises to Joshua... They're connected to a larger promise he made to Moses and before Moses to Abraham. See, as we're walking, as we're, we're walking victoriously and we've got to step in these blessings, you've got to know God's Word. You've got to know what He has written, where He has been, what He has promised, and how these promises and how the Word of God applies to your life. Because if you know, you'll have the strength, just like the Lord Jesus, to say, it is written. I don't need these rocks to be made into bread. I don't need to bow before you. It is written. Because it's your relationship with the Lord directly, not the circumstances, not the temptation that define your life. 
You need to know what God has promised. Look at Genesis 15, 18. When He speaks the command that we're saved by grace and we are His workmanship created that we would commit or we walk in the good works, He has already prepared. He's prepared these good works to bring glory to Himself and to breathe life into your meaning. Why are you alive? What's the purpose? Here it is. As we walk into these good works, everywhere we step, He's already given it to you. To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, all the ites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershites, and the Jebusites. Everything they have is yours. Why? Because of His grace. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. As you look at God's promises and the certainty that we have in God's word, we see his love for you. We see his love for the church, specifically in the fact, first of all, that God's promises are always out of abundance. In all the parables that Jesus taught, it was never, I'm going to give you just enough. Remember how we've always talked about He is the God of much more. How much more will your Father in Heaven want to give you? How much more does He love you than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? How much more than a father giving bread to his son will God the Heavenly Father give you? His promises are always out of abundance. Out of the abundant love that He's got for you specifically. Out of the love that He's got for the church as as the bride of His Son. When He gives you, the cup always runs over. So you got to step into these blessings. you got to look for them every day. Lord, what would you have me do today in being a blessing to others? God does not limit the heights that you can reach in your life and calling in the faithfulness. He doesn't limit you in the victory and the joy. Doesn't say enough is enough in the blessings you live. And however, the closer we walk with Him, our definition of blessings, our definition of answered prayer will be different than what the world expects. It will not be houses, cars, and money, right? It'll be those intangible things that you cannot see that truly give you meaning in life. The blessings that we're looking for are not the ones that money can buy. However, they're limitless, they're life-giving, purposeful. Remember when that master gave his servants, he gave one, three, one talent, one he gave three talents, and the other gave five talents, and you can call them coins, money, whatever you call them. And the ones that got three and five, they got the idea. I'm going to put them in the market, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bring back all that I can for the Lord. The master never told them, I want this much, or this much, or you're limited. They all have an opportunity. Only one of them said, you know what? I know that he's mean in his own mind, and he always asks for more than he gives in his own mind, and he hid the talent. But the other ones, they came back with joy, said, Lord, here it is. And even when the seed is planted in the ground and and the Lord said that some of the wheat, some had 30, some had 60, some had 90 fruits or seeds coming back or kernels. And the idea is that there's no limit. 
And the more you're able to live and be fruitful for the Lord, the more you begin to taste life with all its passion and purpose. The meaning of your life does not end with retirement. Actually, it gets to be amplified. For all the years of experience and prayer and knowledge and faith, now you can bring that together in pouring in the lives of others. How about that widow that was about to lose everything? Look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. He is the God of much more. He always gives blessing out of abundance. The only one that's limiting God is me. You. Our faith minimizes God's power because of our lack of faith. Faith is amplified by the love you have for the Lord. When you love Him and you trust Him, that becomes a real action called faith, and there's no limit, and God will fulfill every single vessel and pot that you gather. In 2 Kings 4.3 it says, Go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, get the empty vessels, and not too few. She kept going and asking, and it takes some faith there. What do you need? I've got no idea. Can I borrow some? Go get some more. And then we read that she began to pour the oil in these pots and vessels, and he kept on pouring and pouring and pouring, and it stopped only when she ran out. Of the vessels. Please stop limiting God. You're treating God like He's a student driver. You tell God, make a left, turn a right, stop right here, and then when you're not sure what's happening, you're slamming on the brakes, which He should, but you shouldn't. God's promises are always, they always work out of abundance. God's promises, they do involve. Our responsibility. And that's the beauty of the relationship. It's not that God is hands off and now it's up to you, fail or succeed. Is that it involves a relationship cooperation. God gets a kick, for lack of a better word, and I'll update the terminology. God gets a kick out of working with you. The only time that we fail is when we disobey Brings me back to years ago, I was coaching a, a soccer team at a Christian Romanian school, Amer- Romanians and Americans, but the soccer team was made of Romanians, and if you guys know anything about Europeans and soccer, we got it down. And it was, I mean, I got video of this, going playing against huge schools, American-based per se, watching these Romanian born and blood flowing through their veins with a soccer ball, it was Amazing. We won so many state championships. It was a regular thing. They were, they, it was like watching a symphony orchestra work together as they were passing and, and they were one as a team. And, 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 and we went to the national championship of the Christian schools in Kansas City. And I knew I was going to come home with a trophy. I mean, come on. You got these kids that dance upon the ball from the goalie to the center guy. They were phenomenal. We didn't win a thing because after we won the first two games, my boys began to live life in their own will, desires, and passions. And several, a number of the team players, including the captain, made some decisions in the after hours and in between the games that I brought them together. I told them, I'm taking you out of the competition 
just because you're good doesn't mean you're right. I wanted that to become a life lesson. All that you could have had. You could have been national champions. And because of your own desires and passions and disobedience, you've lost it all. You're still my team. We're still going home. But there's no award. It's what some people will hear in heaven. Welcome home. But look what you've lost. Look at all the blessings you didn't walk and step through because of disobedience. When he's talking to him and saying later on, be courageous, do not be afraid, he's talking about his heart. Not about what's outside, the giants, but your danger of disobeying because of your own weakness. God's promises involve our responsibility and we will be taken off the field. If we're not obedient, you see, these promises must be harvested. God takes no pleasure in a sloth or a spiritually lazy attitude. You see, God's promise to us has two sides. One is a side of privilege and the other side is of personal responsibility. The privilege and the opportunity, this land has been given to you, but guess what? You got to get up, you got to rise, and you got to start walking. You got to start walking against your fears. You got to start walking against the enemy, against your temptations, but you got to keep on walking. Imagine this as a, a strong rope that has two strands. And these, well, you know that three is better, but in this idea, two strands gives us strength. One is the creative potential that God has given you, and the other is the discipline of living up to that potential. Trusting Him that is endowed within you these gifts, abilities, no one else has. My mentor back in seminary said, listen, you got to imagine your life. He was talking to the class that if you're a volleyball player, you were the number eight best volleyball player in the world. You'll never be number one. You'll never be anywhere near above number seven, but you're the best number eight. You've got to keep your spot and position in playing that role with everything you got because the other seven, they depend on you. God's abilities, are all, promises are always out of abundance, but they involve your responsibility. We're called to march. We're called to battle. We're called to conquer. Never going back, even if you stand for a while. Think of the ten lepers. They were doomed for life. They were misery, love's company, hanging out, fingers and noses falling off, but we're together. And they heard about this Jesus that can do the miraculous thing. He can heal the lepers and raise the dead. So, so they drew near so close and not yet that close. They're not allowed to. And they called out from the distance, Lord, if you will, Lord, if you will, could you please? He says, yes, I will. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't declare anything except saying, go show yourselves to the priests. As we do what Jesus directs, we find he's already fulfilled his promise. As each of ten lepers walked to the temple to show themselves to the priest, they were cleaned. As they first obeyed, they were healed. There's no limit to God's love and promises. As we find ourselves facing tough times, Christ Jesus gives us what we need in abundance. 
We're limited because we put limits on our faith. Yet as we believe and act in his will, his plan is completed. So only one leper came back to thank him and worship Jesus. Jesus asked where the others were, yet only one came back. You acknowledge Jesus as Lord, or do we limit his abundant gifts? Lord, we believe you. Help us our unbelief. As the one leper you healed, help us keep coming back to give you the glory and say thank you, Jesus. Join us next week. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.